This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to A Deeper Look here on Federal News Network. Each episode, we focus on a single federal agency to better understand its mission, its impact on the public, and the people who work here. Now your host, Joe Paiva. I am joined today by the Deputy Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration, Katie Kale. Katie, thanks for joining us today. Let, let me start with the, with the big question I start out for with every interview with, right? This is Taxpayer Shark Tank. You have 60 seconds or as long as you need. But let us know why the American taxpayer should continue to fund the GSA. Well, Joe, thanks for having me. I am excited to be with you and your listeners to talk about GSA. GSA has a broad mission that encompasses a lot of really important programs and projects, and I could easily spend an hour talking about all of them and still not do it justice. But if you're only giving me 60 seconds, uh, here's what I would say. GSA is the backbone of the federal government. And that means that we deliver what other federal agencies need to advance their own missions. And we also deliver directly for the American people. So, for example, we make sure that all federal buildings across the U.S. are working well and that those buildings meet the needs of both federal employees who work there, but also the people who come to visit and get their services. We also have support the federal acquisition efforts such as the federal fleet of nearly half a million federal vehicles. And I'm excited to say that includes a growing number of electric vehicles. We also make sure that the government technology and websites are actually helping people with sites like USA.gov, which helps people easily find what they need most. And that really is everything from housing assistance to passports. So, Overall, we're, we're part of the infrastructure that helps people get whichever government service they need. So my Shark Tank pitch is that when you invest in GSA, you're helping ensure that the federal government works well for everyone. Wow, that sounds like a pretty broad portfolio. I know from experience that communicating and gaining buy-in for an overarching mission across every person in an organization that large can be extremely challenging. What would all the folks who work for you tell me their organizational mission is? So GSA's mission as a whole is to deliver the best customer experience and value in real estate acquisition and technology services. And that's to the government and to the American people. But to get to your question, I think that most folks at GSA would really point to our vision about delivering effective and efficient government. And we're lucky enough to do that in a lot of ways, perhaps because one of our most important values that we all share is to put our customer first. And that really is the cornerstone of how our workplace culture operates. When we think about every action, every decision, How will it impact our federal customers and the American people? And how can it make their lives a little bit easier? Well, I love that focus on personal impact. You know, kind of building on that, I I think that most folks know that GSA operates a, a bunch of buildings and manages the GSA schedule. However, I'm not sure everyone really understands how those roles 
responsibilities impact the average American outside of our little, you know, government bubble? I know GSA has a nationwide footprint, and not just through buildings, but in an online presence. Can you kind of make it real for the average citizen? I mean, what what's the impact on them every day? GSA isn't a cabinet agency, so a lot of Americans might not know the work that we do day in and day out, and we're able to fly under the radar a little bit. But the fact is there's a lot going on behind the scenes that make interacting with the federal government more simple, make it seamless, and, and maybe most importantly, make it secure. One of the reasons that I'm here with you today is because it's important that the government builds trust with people. And one way that we can build trust is by helping them understand what GSA is doing, why we're doing it, and how we serve them. And I'm hoping that I can be here today to help your listeners with just that. Well, that sounds good. So let me just keep digging there a bit. I I know there are federal buildings across the country. What are some of the ones the public might be most familiar with? Well, they certainly are going to be familiar with our federal courthouses. I'll tell you, we have roughly 70 federal courthouses that we built and we managed. And we take care of them. We restore them. We want to make sure that we're modernizing them. And uh, one of the cool things that GSA does is we commission art for them. And these courthouses, well, they have a sacred role in society of ensuring justice and fairness so that we want to make sure their presence have a meaningful and a positive experience for them and their communities. I'll tell you a story. Last year, I was in Cleveland, and I was able to visit the Howard M. Metzenbaum U.S. Courthouse. And it is an anchor for an area of the city called Cleveland Civic Mall. And that area contains this beautiful, beautiful fine art. And this building, was, like I said, it's, it's this anchor in this area. It opened in 1910. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. So our job is to make sure that the space works for people today, but also make sure that it works for the next generations who will also be working there and visiting there. One of the great things about this building, again, it opened for the first time in 1910, is that GSA was able to help it become LEED certified. So we're saving taxpayer dollars, we're reducing the federal government's overall carbon footprint, and we're creating a a safe and um, efficient building that people are entering each and every day. Wow. What about, you mentioned online presence. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, GSA, we have our buildings and we have our technology. And this world is getting more digital and relying on online services each and every day. So we need to make sure that we're keeping up. And we need to make sure that the federal government is delivering for people the way that they are are used to being delivered to. So for example, you'll see GSA's name as the website manager at the bottom of the page for many.gov websites. The USA.gov website, which is the the front door to the US government, is one example. Another example is the vote.gov website. And at that site, you can get information about how to register to vote. It's a super streamlined website. It really just starts with a drop-down box where you choose the state that you want to learn more about your, your voter registration. And we have a team here, our technology transformation services team. They're doing a great job. 
to make sure sites like that are easy to use, that they are available in several different languages, and they're just plain simple. I, you know, as a former CIO, I can only imagine what a challenge it is to have a site like that that everyone can use, but is also secure given kind of what we've been up against for the past couple of years, especially something called vote.gov. That's, that's got to be a, that's got to be one that keeps somebody up at night. <laughs> this is Joe Piva, and I'll be right back to continue our discussion with Katie Kale, Deputy Administrator of the United States General Services Administration. We're back with Katie Kale, Deputy Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. So the GSA has kind of taken the government into a true bricks and clicks world now, right? And and you have all this stuff going on uh, with the buildings and with the websites. But, you know, I think the number I heard was $85 billion in products, goods, and services. That's a lot of money. Uh, even in even in DC terms, right? And so, so I, I guess one question would be: Can you give us an idea of like the scope of that? What that looks like in terms of where it goes or what it does? So similar to how we're the nation's landlord, GSA is also the nation's acquisition arm, and not all of those contracts are going to be used just by us at GSA because GSA Federal Acquisition Service manages many contracts on behalf of the entire government. We're, we're here to ensure that our sister agencies have access to the services and the suppliers that they need that are going to advance their own special and significant efforts. So our work encompasses a very wide range of topics, and we help set up contracts that are fully vetted, and our customer knows that they have a verified partner that they're getting the best value for taxpayers. And that's really what they want out of out of GSA. So whether it's our technology equipment or software to assisted acquisition, FAS is working behind the scenes on important procurement infrastructure that is going to help the federal government run. And because we're supporting our partner agencies, more than half of that funding goes to help them get the technology and the support that they need to focus on their own mission. And considering your background, you probably are not surprised to learn that a fair amount of that support goes to DOD contracts. And we're responsible for spending this money and we're always careful about how we do it because we know that in turn, it is going to impact Americans each and every day. That's awesome. You know, I, I think I'll chalk that one up in the in the category of things we take for granted, right? I'm old enough to remember the very expensive hammers and toilet seats, right? And and we don't have that anymore, right? I mean, thank God. I mean, 40 years later, the world is a much better place. But that doesn't happen without a lot of uh, diligence and, and continuous effort on GSA's part, I'm sure. Uh, so, so for American taxpayers and for myself, I thank you for that. Well, Joe, I want to tell you one one more example of how GSA is helping the everyday American, the average American. We participated in Operation Fly Formula. And if you remember back, that was the national infant formula shortage that happened last year. We were able to work with the Department of Health and Human Services, USDA, and the DOD to get infant formula where it needed to be the most. 
So what does GSA do in this case? Well, we arrange transportation services for eight international airport to door deliveries that resulted in US shipping and delivery almost a million and a half pounds of formula. And that's just one example of how we provided solutions during a steady state or a declared emergency. And over the past two years, we've provided acquisition services to HHS and the COVID-19 testing and diagnostics working group. We've provided a warehouse storage and transportation for more than 160 million COVID tests throughout the country. And honestly, we wouldn't have been able to do any of that without our strong acquisition connections. And these are connections that help us find the people, the places, whether technology, facilities, and other materials to execute on these really large scale efforts. And that's why once, once GSA is brought in, it's just a matter of knowing who to ping and, and how to foster that collaboration between them. Katie, one of my sister's favorite sayings used to be, governance is the art of allocating too few resources amongst too many good causes. With so many important efforts going on across GSA, your time must be one of those resources. What are the top priorities on which you are truly focused right now? So first I'll say that the overall mission that I talked about earlier for GSA doesn't change with the times. We are here to make government work well, to save money doing it and deliver for everyday people. But with that said, clearly we have priorities that, that pop into mind. And for example, we need to make sure that we're working harder than ever right now to modernize and optimize the federal footprint. That's really important because we know that the, the workspace needs have really evolved over the past couple of years and we need to be out front of that. So I'm focused a lot on the future of our, our workspaces at GSA itself. And we're also looking to help other agencies by leading by example, and, and other agencies come to us all the time looking for advice. So one unique way that we're tackling this is by opening what we've called our Workplace Innovation Lab. And it's exciting because it's located here in our headquarters in DC, it's located on our second floor. And it gives agencies, agency teams an opportunity to come, they can come in and visit it, they can work here, they can uh, kick the tires and figure out what kind of new setups and furniture and equipment might work well for them in their individual kind of bespoke uh, agency and, and really imagine what can be the future of how they are working. There are more spaces that are built around really collaboration and integration with the technology that's crucial. Another big priority that comes to mind is to make sure that we're doing a great job of launching the over $6 billion of GSA investment that will come from the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. And we're using this funding to start new projects, to supercharge other projects, and to really advance sustainability. And I wanna give you an example. We are completely modernizing the San Luis land port of entry that's located in Southwest Arizona. That border crossing supports national security, the economy, and importantly, the US food supply. It is a major economic anchor for the local community. And really almost everyone who works and lives there is dependent either directly or indirectly on that port. 
and digging a little further, if you give me the chance, the Custom and Border Protection processes about 3 million vehicles and 2.5 million pedestrians each year through that port alone. And our administrator actually visited down there at that port to meet with CBP, as well as the new mayor of San Luis, because it is vital, it is crucial to make sure that community engagement is happening. We need to make sure that we are wisely investing those dollars for maximum local benefit. So I think that your sister is right that sometimes there isn't enough resources for all of the good causes out there. But right now, GSA has the money and momentum to empower federal workers in a number of ways as they deliver great services for the American people. And that's whether they're here in an office in Washington, DC, or thousands of miles away at a border helping to ensure our national security. That is some amazing stuff. And I would love to have GSA back again. We could spend an entire show focused on either of those topics. But for right now, we do need to take a quick break. This is Joe Piva, and I'll be right back to continue our discussion with Katie Kale, Deputy Administrator of the United States General Services Administration. with Katie Kale, Deputy Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. Hey, Katie, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about DEINA. Not surprisingly, from my perspective, this is more than just a moral issue. It's, it's, it's a business and a national security issue. And, and I know that a lot of people in government are making this a priority right now. And so um, I'd like to really talk about how that fits into the GSA's people first culture and how is that working out for you? You know, Joe, just like you, I've been around for several administrations. I was lucky enough to spend several years up in the Senate. I worked for the, the full uh, term of the Obama administration and then back here on day one of the Biden administration. And one thing that I have learned is that government works best when it works for everyone. So this administration and here at GSA, we are building a government that looks like and works with and delivers for all of America. And DEIA or diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, that's the A that some, some folks use and some folks don't. This is foundational to GSA's mission and, and the values because those principles guide how we serve all of our communities, both internally and our, our, our people and externally in the folks that we work with and how we, how we serve the American people. And I have to say GSA has been prioritizing DEIA for years, uh, even before the president signed the EO on his first day in office. But that order, that, that EO, which is to advance racial equity and support underserved communities, makes it the government responsibility to advance DEIA, equity, civil rights, racial justice, and equal opportunity. And that works, it starts at home. And so this EO has made the government look at itself both in terms of how we take care of our own people, like I said before, and how we act with our partners and how we do business with others. 
And so we've made a big set of commitments, including implementing DEIA strategic plans, creating an infrastructure that supports continuous evaluation and improvement so that we can make sure that we're improving GSA's operations and employee experience all the time. And we're using that strategic plan and our equity action plan to support our people, our culture, and our mission delivery in sustainable ways. And really they're guiding how we advance equity through whether it be real estate or contracting or technology. And like you said, we're, we're building this people first culture that really prioritizes DEIA. And, you know, as, as the government is the nation's largest employer, we need to make sure that it's committed to att attracting, to retaining and advancing a workforce that represents the diversity of the American people. And so, you know, at GSA, we're assessing and reassessing our own organizational health and using those surveys and, and feedback loops that I mentioned earlier, where we're gaining employee sentiment, especially when it, when it pertains to an inclusive workplace culture. And we want to make sure that it's tech enabled, that it's flexible, um, and that we have accessible workspaces so that people have the tools that they need so that they can fully contribute and succeed at our agency. And I like to say that GSA likes to lead by example, and this is one of the places where we want to be a model um, around DEIA because we want to make sure that our, our employees are treated with dignity and respect. And we want to make sure that we're, we're holding ourselves accountable because none of this works without accountability. And I will tell you that, that I was happy that, that we have added a component to our annual senior executive service performance plans, our SES performance plans, that ha it, it has integrated into those a DEIA perspective. And that means that they are being held accountable to the, the values that we hold and have held for, for many years here at GSA. And in addition, we have a great Office of Civil Rights and they've provided more resources on EEO information. And we're just really making the process less complicated um, because we wanna make sure that our, our employees understand and they feel communicated with and they know what we're doing every step of the way. And since we're in March, I just one last thing want to say, uh, happy Women's History Month. We are supporting the national strategy on gender equity here at GSA. And I wanna mention that we have half of our workforce that identify as women and over 40 of that, 40% uh, of that are senior leaders um, and supervisors. So that includes me uh, as a senior leader and a woman here at GSA. Well, that, that's pretty awesome. I, I especially love the part about holding executives accountable for this as part of their performance plan. And we see that more in commercial industry, too. A couple of companies I'm on the board of, that's become a critical element of how they judge their own executives. I've heard that GSA is also partnering with other agencies to improve DEINA and demonstrate how it's a national priority. Can you tell us about some of those partnerships? Well, we've been working very closely with the White House, of course, OPM, the Department of Transportation, the Department of Housing and Ur uh, Urban Development, and other sister agencies on priorities like responsible civic technology, on equitable federal real estate development, and having meaningful engagement with the public to inform federal decision making. 
we're also partnering with a lot of organizations. And to give you a couple of examples, the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Organization of Minority Architects, the ACE Mentoring Program, the National LBGTQ Chamber of Commerce, and, and so many more to really support public and industry participation and the pipelines into public service. So earlier you mentioned that you know GSA is kind of like the backbone of the government, which is to say you have nerve endings in almost every single agency. So how does your internal DEINA priorities align with all the different organizations that you work with across the government? They align really well, because this is the work that we've been doing well before this administration. We are always pushing for better outcomes across every area that we oversee. And that takes a lot of different forms, whether it's ensuring physical accessibility of federal buildings or digital accessibility for government services. We play a role in environmental justice and really have a focus on engaging underserved communities through public participation efforts. So is there a chance you could give us like maybe a couple of examples of how you're supporting the underserved communities and and maybe even like talk to some of these contracting opportunities that you mentioned earlier? So one recent example that, that jumps to mind actually just happened last month where we had an engagement between GSA senior leadership at Jackson State University. And we met with historically black colleges and universities as well as federal agencies, industry partners, and others to talk about how HBCUs can compete in the federal marketplace. So we create these engagements so that we can have long-term partnerships, we can advance the opportunities of Black-owned businesses, and create an actionable pathway for HBCU students to also join our agency as, as civil servants. Granted, we would love them to go anywhere in the, the government, but we think GSA is a great place for them to work. We're also going to be looking at doing a, a similar programs with tribal colleges and universities and minority-serving institutions as well. That sounds pretty incredible. What about, like, you know, I, I, I've heard about the 8A STARS contract and the Polaris vehicle. Can you talk a little bit about how GSA provides opportunities via, via those kind of things? So our... Ozdebu team does great work at this as well as FAS. We're supporting DEIA through these contracting opportunities, especially for small and disadvantaged businesses, because we really believe that they deserve a fair shot to compete in the federal marketplace without barriers. And you mentioned Polaris and 8A Stars, three vehicles. Those are really just two examples of where we're intentionally creating set-asides for small disadvantaged and socioeconomic small businesses. And I'm proud to say that we're increasing the diversity of our services and that of who provides them. So, for example, back in 2022, we procured $2.7 billion in services from small businesses. And that was an increase of 46% from the previous year. That's huge. And we have a really high ranking from the Small Business Administration to back that up. One way that we're leaning on the small business procurement and, per, and uh, procurement equity is with upsizing spending goals. And we're contracting innovations like a post-awards engagement strategy because we want to make sure that businesses are succeeding even after they get onto our schedule. 
and we're supporting OMB in the development of new government-wide data tools and training for the acquisition force to help with all of this. You know, overall, we see that our nation is demonstrating a shared commitment to making equity in the federal marketplace a national priority, and we are eagerly at GSA taking part in that. You know, I'm going to focus a little bit on that A, accessibility you mentioned. You know, under the category of things people take for granted from their government, I I remember the first time I taught a class at the University of Beijing, I remember I walked into the building and the the class was going to be on like the fourth floor. And I very quickly realized that there were no elevators in the building. And, 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 you know, I remember looking around going, well, what happens if, you know, someone, you know, who can't do stairs wants to go to school? Well, the short answer is in China, they don't. You're responsible for, what, 300 and something million square feet of, of, of office space? Can, can you talk a little bit about your work with the U.S. Access Board and your work to make sure that all Americans have access to government facilities? Thank you for asking about that. I, I definitely want to highlight our work prioritizing accessibility because we, we want to make sure that we're, de- we're delivering services that are simple to use, that they're accessible, that they're equitable, that they are protective and transparent to the American people. And, and we are doing that both on a physical and a digital accessibility manner. And and thank you for bringing up U.S. Access Board. It's It's a it's a little known to some, but well known to others, um, independent federal agency. It promotes equality for people with disabilities. And I'm very proud to be a board member and work with them to share the best practices that we have here at GSA, but also to learn more about what we can continue to do to improve physical accessibility for federal buildings. And you know, the the U.S. Access Board, these are the people who put out the ADA standards, the 508 compliance standards. And so we're really at GSA responsible for ensuring accessibility in a number of ways. And it's important for us to continue that relationship and continue to move forward with them, whether it be through our actions, through guidance, but definitely through a strong partnership because there are really many different approaches to improving accessibility. That's so interesting. So you talked about kind of the standards for these things, which I guess kind of gets me thinking about government-wide policy. I mean, GSA is in a very uh, interesting spot in terms of a bully pulpit to kind of implement or, or to drive or influence was the word I was looking for, some of those <laughs> things. Do you want to talk a little bit about GSA's role in, in influencing government-wide policy? Well, sticking on accessibility, you know, we definitely are leading by examples with the way that we're incorporating accessibility into our buildings. We have a national accessibility program, and and a lot of those are run through the office of our chief architect. We are conducting industry RFIs, and we're publishing findings about the state of DEIA in the entire uh, architecture and construction fields. And we even launched an Access for All universal and accessible design competition for U.S. architecture students so that they can help us source the best practices and improvements. They have wonderful ideas, and we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're thinking about them now and that they're starting to think about the federal government as a place that they might be able to work. We're also focused on advancing digital accessibility through our federal technology. and. As you know, we have an Office of Government-Wide Policy, and, and our IT accessibility team there 
they help issue guidance to help agencies meet the federal accessibility compliance standards and to really integrate accessibility into their strategic implementation plans. We also have our US web design services. So when we're talking about customer experience and what it feels like and what it looks like when you're, when you're online, this team, they offer toolkits and best practices that will help other agencies incorporate human-centered designs into federal websites, and that will help ensure that they're accessible for everyone. And this is everything from making sure that they have the specific resources to support customers in varying socioeconomic uh, communities, but also making sure that they're available in multiple languages. And overall, we're really intent in ensuring better, more equitable, user-centric experience for the technology products and services that are procured by our federal government because they touch millions of Americans each year. Wow. Well, that's probably a good place for us to take just a quick break, and then we'll come back after. This is Joe Piva on A Deeper Look with Katie Kale. Deputy Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration, and we'll be back shortly. Katie Kale, Deputy Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. And um, Katie, we're going to keep on this DEI path a little bit to talk about something near and dear to my heart internship programs. A lot of business people, like myself, would say, you know, one of the best things or greatest things the government does in terms of DEINA is just kind of setting the conditions so that private industry is motivated to do the right thing, right? And so with that, let me just kind of hear from you how you're kind of handling internships and the changes you've made at GSA to kind of make those a little more fair and equitable. So this is one of the things that I'm most excited to talk about. Uh, We have a motto here, always be recruiting. And I am here talking to you and your listeners to do exactly that. You know, in terms of hiring, whether it's for a, a career position or, or an internship, we know that there are many pathways into government, and I'm really proud of the, the programs that GSA has uh, set up. And we want to make sure that we have people with great ideas to come to work with us, because we have a national presence. We're leaning into telework, and we have been for decades. And we truly believe that geography is not a limiting factor to being a public servant. So we have lots of opportunities right now that help us recruit the future leaders of America for right now. And you know, part of that is what you were talking about, internships. And that's why GSA offers paid internship programs because we know that unpaid internships are a barrier to hardworking, talented people. Paid internships help remove that barrier to equal opportunity for low-income students and first-generation professionals right at the beginning of their careers so they can start off the right way. Now, I know that other federal agencies offer paid internships as well, and, and I'm excited to hear that the White House has started offering them last year. 
an OPM who we work with often recently launched a one-stop shop for folks looking to learn more about internships in the federal government. And so you can go there and find GSA's paid internships are all posted. It's on a website uh, called intern.usajobs.gov. So I hope that, that your listeners can go there and see the opportunities throughout the government and that folks will get an even better interest in GSA and, and what federal service means in general. Well, I'm going to foot stomp that one for a sec, Katie, intern.usajobs.gov. And people can yeah. go there to learn about paid internships at the U.S. General Services Administration. So, Katie, that is great to hear. I truly appreciate it. Um, I think paid internships are a huge step forward for for our government, for the federal workforce, even for democracy in general. And, and along those lines, you know, you've alluded to this a couple times, but the reality is we're not set up to let any one agency go crazy on their own, right? Everything you do um, requires working with other agencies within the government. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the ways GSA is working across the federal government to achieve some of the priorities that, that you've mentioned throughout the, throughout the last hour? Well, as I started with back when I was giving my, my pitch, my, my Shark Tank pitch, GSA is the backbone of the federal government, so we are always supporting or collaborating with our sister agencies. And I would say that sustainability is a, is a great example, especially right now. It, you know, in tackling climate change, we see a triple win in creating good paying jobs, ta saving taxpayer money through energy efficiency, and creating a brighter future for the next generation. So the switch to EVs that I mentioned earlier is a great example of government-wide effort that GSA is leading. Overall, we've seen how more Americans in general are switching over to electric vehicles because they're efficient and sustainable. And we want that government to be on the leading edge of that. So we're aligned with the administration's goals of going fully electric by 2035. And this year alone, We've increased the number of EVs we buy for the federal fleet to 20%. That's just this year alone. And we're also working with our friends over at the Department of Transportation, the Department of Energy, and a few others to build out the infrastructure to support this transition because we're going to need charging stations and things like that so that everyday people can feel more comfortable going electric. We're also using our power and talking to auto manufacturers and labor unions so they have a good idea about what's happening in the EV market and what makes sense for building out this EV infrastructure. And I'm happy to say that we're working with over 50 small businesses to build this infrastructure, which of course is just going to create more jobs nationwide. Yeah, so the engineer in me is very excited to hear that, right? There, we, I, I'm going to have to ask you to have one of your engineers come back on the show, and we can just do a whole show about electric vehicles and, and infrastructure and, and uh, decreases in maintenance costs and all those good things, right? I could talk to you all day. I mean, there is so much good stuff going on at the GSA, but I think we're going to run out of time. So, so what advice would you give our listeners who are either just at that – point in their career where they're mapping it out in public service or where they're still contemplating whether or not to pursue public service as a career. And, and, you know, just if you can, tell us a little bit about 
your keys to success and what inspires you to, to keep at it day after day? I will tell your listeners the same thing that I tell my friends, that I tell my family, that I talk to with our interns and, and mentees that I've had throughout the year, pretty much anybody who will listen. Public service is a fantastic career choice. There are so many possibilities and opportunities to serve throughout the government. And I love GSA because at GSA, we have everything from architects to engineers, from security specialists to financial management specialists. And if there is something that you can do in the private sector, you can do it here in the government. And I guarantee you, you're going to make a much bigger impact. I personally have always been a public servant at heart. And, and that started way back when I was a kid. It started with my family. My, my grandfather went to work for our congressman after he retired from his first career. And speaking of retirement, my mom actually retired from the VA after a decade of, of working in one of their medical centers. And I now am, am clocking up the years. I'm almost 20 years in public service. And I did it in different ways. I worked in the, the U.S. Senate. I worked in the White House. And of course, this is my second time around here at GSA. So if you're looking to work for a mission-driven organization, whether it be for a few years or if you want to make it your full career, public service is really just an incredible option. It's a great way for you to work with the best interests of all Americans in heart and to know that your service will help the most people, including the people that are in your lives that you love the most. Hey, Katie, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I feel like I've learned a lot and yet barely scratched the surface of all GSA really does. You know, sitting here talking to you for the last 43 minutes, I, I kind of wish I was 21 again so I could come to work at the GSA, right? But before we go, just any last closing thoughts for, for the audience? Joe, thank you again for having me on today. And please remember, you don't have to come at the beginning of your career. We're looking for hard workers and smart people to join any time along their career here at GSA. I like to say that I was a customer well before I was an employee of GSA. And personally, I'm here for my second time around. And I really am thrilled with the opportunity anytime to share more about all of the work that we do. And if I have one final point, it's this. All of what GSA does is only possible because of our amazing team of people. I am really honored to work alongside them as we keep our mission of delivering for the American people pop possible. And in the, the vein of always be recruiting, if any of your listeners are interested in learning more about GSA or if they're interested in joining the GSA team, please, please, please visit gsa.gov. Thank you. This has been a deeper look with Katie Kale, Deputy Administrator of the U.S. General Services Administration. You've been listening to A Deeper Look with Joe Paiva here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and any past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search A Deeper Look. <laughs>